Hi, I'm Delina Rasmus, editor of Farmers Weekly. Welcome to our weekly wrap podcast. We are returning back to our normal format for this podcast because we've got the good news that we are going to print again. In fact, we already sent the 15 May issue to print this week, and that should be on shelves anytime from Friday the 8th of May onwards. Maybe just to update all our readers and all the listeners of this podcast, this has obviously been a very uncertain time in all industries in South Africa and the economy being affected in every imaginable way. And the news about our publishing company, Caxton Magazine, closing down is absolutely devastating, not just for us, but for all our colleagues at the company and just in the wider field of magazine publishing in South Africa. Although we do want to just let our readers know that this does not include Farmers Weekly. The Farmers Weekly will be retained within the larger Caxton Publishing Company, and the magazine will continue to be published, which we are, of course, incredibly grateful about. And this is really just a testament to the strength of the brand and also the support of our loyal readers and definitely also the support of our loyal clients, our advertisers that have, even during this incredibly difficult time, have continued to support the magazine. So just to be very clear that while there is this terrible news, we do have this flicker of hope, this bit of good news that the Farmers Weekly will continue to be published. And we will also continue still to grow on our online platforms and readers of the website and followers of our social media channels can still expect daily updates on these platforms. And then as the lockdown restrictions are further eased, hopefully within the next few weeks, distribution of the magazine will also ease up a bit. And we are expecting that with this first magazine back on shelf, that distribution is still to a certain extent limited. Not all of the distribution channels and not all of our agents who sell the magazine are open yet. But this is slowly, as the economy comes back online, these issues will start sorting themselves out. And hopefully, within the next two to three weeks, you will be able to get the magazine at all the outlets where readers were able to buy the magazine before we went into the lockdown. But now back to more current affairs. Today with us is our Bloemfontein-based journalist, Sabrina Dean. And I'm going to have a chat to her about the 15 May issue. But before we get to that, Sabrina, welcome. And maybe just tell us a bit about the story that you've been working on this week. Hello, Deneen. Um, yes, wonderful news that we've heard about Farmers Weekly, the brand. Still sticking around and I'm really, really thrilled that I'm going to be able to walk into a shop again from this weekend and, and hopefully pick up that magazine again. I'm, I can't wait. In terms of what I've been busy with, one of the things I am looking into is the situation around food parcels and food hampers. Now, we've heard of a lot of situations where farmers have been donating, for example, goods, fresh produce, that kind of thing, to communities that they work with, that they are aware of. But there have been some issues, particularly in some of the bigger urban areas, around distribution situations where people arrive with too few parcels, for example, and then the community anger spills over and you have a situation of riots. In the last week or two, we've started hearing more calls from government and more restrictions around this saying you're not allowed to distribute food if you don't have a permit. All the food has to come to a centralized location, all of those kinds of things. 
But many of the farming organizations saying, what about accountability? What guarantee is there that this food that they're delivering there is actually going to go to the people it's intended to? And many um, people saying they need to actually know that it is getting to the right place. So AgriSA coming out and saying they are going to try and keep doing this themselves, looking for ways to not get into trouble, but also to just ensure that it is staying safe. Sabrina, I think, you know, this crisis situation that we find ourselves in, as always, it's bringing out the best in people, as we are seeing with farmers and agri-organizations opening up their hearts and really contributing a great deal to food relief efforts, but then on the flip side, also bringing out the worst in people, as we've heard these stories of counselors stealing some of the food aid for themselves, hoarding it for themselves, only handing out to those affiliated to them, and then government insinuating that it wants this permit system for anybody who wants to help, obviously, you know, just not the way that you respond in a crisis where people are really desperate. Yeah, it comes down to a lot of the mixed messaging we are getting from government in the, in the last while. Every day regulations are changing. You can do this. No, now you can't do this. Again, feeding into that uncertainty around everything. But I, I do see the arguments of many of the agricultural unions and so on, especially going down to farmer association level. They know the people of their communities. They know the guys who aren't working. They know the guys who need help. They know what the situation is down there, whereas a government official in a centralized depot is not necessarily going to have that hands-on knowledge of what's going on in a little rural town like Devetstorp, for example. But in the same breath, there is a little bit of method to that madness where, you know, the government role players are saying, you know, if you're going to a place like Alexandria, for example, you've got 500 food parcels, but you've got a crowd of 5,000 people queuing, you might have trouble. So by having the permit or by having made communication with public order policing, it can just be done in a safe way. But then moving on to another story that I'm actually very excited about, um, I'm going to be having a listen today to our latest agricultural market outlook with Professor Johan Willemse. He's one of our very well-known agricultural economists. Now, Prof. Willemse usually has this workshop here in Bloemfontein once every quarter, so about every three months, where he gets together, you know, people from all over the show come and sit in. They listen to his presentation about the macroeconomic outlook, about our various grains, about the livestock, get a little bit of input from people at ground level as to what they're seeing, and really paint a picture of what things are looking like. This time, we can't actually all get together at the normal venue, the Bikers Church here in Bloemfontein, but we are participating in a webinar where Prof. Valencia says, you know, he's still busy, you know, figuring out some of the technology, hoping it's all going to go smoothly, but making a plan to still get that info out to people who need to know it. And I think this is something that's going to be happening more and more going forward. Yeah, there should be some, I think there's going to be a lot of good news, hopefully, coming out of that engagement with Providencer. Maybe just if we take a look now at the 15 May issue of Farmers Weekly, that will be our first magazine back on shelf after the lockdown. And just to tie in with what you were saying about the market outlook, the good news that we are seeing here is that we are expecting a 32% increase in the summer grain and oil seed harvest this year. And this was according to the latest Crop Estimates Committee summer grain forecast that was released just earlier this week. 
so we've got the commercial maize crops expected to come in at 15.2 million tonnes. That's about a 3% increase. Denise, sorry to interrupt there. I think if I'm not mistaken, they're saying second biggest maize crop on record? Yes. If these volumes are achieved, it will be the second largest harvest on record after the 2016-2017 crop, which up until now has been the largest crop recorded for South African summer grains and oil seeds. Obviously, that that is good news for us in terms of food security. One of the big feathers in South Africa's cap during the situation we're going through is the fact that we can actually produce enough food to feed the people of our country. And I think we're going to be very relevant role players to other parts of Africa as well, going through severe problems like Zimbabwe. Even further up into Africa, we're still hearing about those desert locust problems. But anyway, what else are we looking forward to in this 15 May edition? Yes, I'm going to focus on some more good news amidst all the really terrible news that we've all had to hear these last few weeks. And that is that the South African canning industry which has been under a lot of pressure in recent years, has really seen a boost to their sales during this lockdown period. And that is as consumers try to go to the supermarket less, so they do tend to buy products with a longer shelf life. Jacques Jordan, the CEO of the Canning Fruit Producers Association, saying that through all the lockdown restrictions and measures, it seems that consumers have penned the word canned food on their shopping list. And according to the industry, they really do hope that now that more consumers and shoppers are starting to rely on canned goods again, that this will sort of have a spillover effect into when lockdown restrictions are eased. Sales will will continue on this higher level for that industry. And then maybe just the last news stories that I can quickly mention before we go over to talk about the features. The livestock auctions industry, of course, this year and even from the end of last year has really been through a difficult time. First, we had the foot and mouth disease outbreak that, that put an immediate halt to any live livestock auctions at the beginning of this year. And sort of just as the, those restrictions started to be eased, we went into lockdown. So it's basically been for the whole of this year, the livestock auctions industry has not been able to operate as it used to. But we are now seeing the industry is really at a very rapid pace embracing digital solutions and hosting digital auctions, which they say is really better both for the seller and the buyer, with buyers now being able to easily access auctions of farmers that are maybe situated quite far away from them and that would have been difficult to go to if they had to travel there by car. And then from the other hand, the sellers having access to a much wider audience, a much wider buyer audience. So yes, out of all the doom and doom, there is some new solutions being thought of that's probably going to change the industry for the better in the long run. And most definitely, I think I've spoken to people in the past as well. They've also highlighted various other benefits in terms of logistics and costs of doing this. It's much cheaper to do it that way than to have to transport all those animals. And then also the animal welfare issue around it. They're saying there is less stress for the animals if they don't first have to be moved to an auction venue but can actually be sold via video or something and then just be moved that one time. A few challenges though, um, I did speak to Agri Mahanjana from the National Emergent Revenue Producers Organization recently where he had highlighted the fact that, you know, at least this can carry on, but unfortunately so many, especially our smallholder farmers, are 
excluded from the platform to a large extent because of a lack of access to technology and maybe even just a simple thing like cell phone reception in the place where they are out in the bundus. But really looking forward to seeing how this is going to develop going forward and our livestock industry really need in need of a bit of a boost after this double whammy set of challenges. Definitely. But yeah, Sabrina, so let's move on to the features of the 15 May issue. And I think one of the interesting observations in this magazine that I saw in more than one article was both in the guest editorial, our buy invite article, and also in our bottom line article, which for this issue is an interview with the Grain SA chairperson, Derek Matthews. Talking about the fact that South African farmers are overly dependent on imported inputs for their farming operations, which it's interesting because we know that on the one hand, we are a net exporter of agricultural produce. But then on the other hand, we've got this over-reliance on imported inputs, which puts farmers very much at risk of what we're experiencing right now when there is disruptions in export, export channels and also as we've seen, the rand suffer due to just the general economic decline and depreciating drastically against major currencies like the U.S. dollar, the denomination which many of these inputs are sold at on the international markets. So that's really something in the future to focus on and to see how do we solve this problem? How do we come back to more local procurement and more local manufacturing of those key imports, such as fertilizer, agricultural chemicals, certain animal feedstuffs, how do we resuscitate those industries in South Africa so that if we do have another crisis like this, the industry isn't as much at risk of supply disruptions as we are now? Mm, that's a very valid point. If I look at what's been happening with the dollar, I mean, pre-lockdown, we were back to levels of around between 14, 15 rand to the dollar. Um, yesterday, I did a story that was at 18.66 to the dollar, and I think that was an improvement on the day before. But I would be very interested to read what Derek had to say about that as mm. well. And I think, you know, what makes it even more of a challenge for farmers is that they never see the same increase on the farm gate side, on their product price side, as they see on the input side. So it just really sort of makes this cost squeeze. When you get into a situation like we're experiencing now, it just makes that so much worse for farmers because the economy is struggling. So food prices are likely going to be under pressure to stay at a very low inflationary level, which will just make the situation even more difficult for farmers. But to move on to some other features, I'm just going to, yeah, maybe just mention the, the livestock and crops technical features that we've got this week. And in the livestock sector, we speak to beef producer Mike Rennie. And he really focuses in his operation on ensuring the health of his in-calf cows during the winter period, saying that to prevent his breeding cow's body condition scores from dropping below three in winter and really does improve their chances of reconception. In so doing, ultimately, he ensures a better result in terms of returns for the whole farm. So he goes into quite some detail about how he manages his grazing resources on the farm and also the type of additional feeding, like licks, and all other feeds that he does provide, especially to his cow herd during the winter period, to make sure that they do maintain good condition during these drier months. And then just quickly in the crop section, we speak to potato farmer Sietje van der Marwe, who implements nature-friendly farming techniques, as he refers to it, and he keeps his chemical usage to a minimum to ultimately produce stronger, healthier plants. 
But on top of that, he also manages water usage with great care to ensure that they can continue producing good yields despite low rainfall. Also, Fanamalva does produce his own seed potatoes, and in this way he can be assured of the excellent quality of his seed potato stock. So that's just some of the features that readers can look forward to in the 15 May issue. In the interim, if somebody in a clean dorpie out in the Bundu somewhere can't actually get that 15 May edition as the distribution kicks in, the magazine is available as well on various digital platforms. Yes, there is digital subscriptions available. There's also a service where you can purchase single copies online. But during this lockdown period, because we understand that people don't want to travel into town as often as they usually do, and it might be difficult for them to get hold of the magazine, we do have a special offer on digital subscriptions with a 50% discount on the cover price for an annual subscription. So that is still available for readers, and all the information is on our website. If they go, there is a tab that they can go to to subscribe. Otherwise, they can go to the platform's Zinio and Max at home and Maxter. I can just search for the Farmers Weekly on the home pages of those websites. Thanks to everyone for listening and tune in again next week when we talk about the next issue. In the meantime, keep up to date with daily news on the website farmersweekly.co.za. Follow us on social media and please go out and buy our magazine. We need that support in this difficult time. In the meantime, keep safe and as always, happy farming.